Welcome to BC's Corner, episode 20. Today is all about questions. What we ask ourselves, what we ask of ourselves, and specifically how we challenge ourselves into further evolution. I am joined in this conversation by best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, and mental fitness strategist, Mark Champagne. He wrote this phenomenal, best-selling book. I have read through it a couple of times now, and it's actually our subject of conversation today. It is entitled Personal Socrates, Better Questions, A Better Life. It's a phenomenal book because it challenges you. It challenged me to deepen the way that I viewed myself in the choices I've made, the experiences I've had, and, and how those decisions, how those experiences impact the way that I view success, how I pursued success, how I experienced failure. For all of us, asking questions of ourselves, it's some of the best self-care out there. And I don't think all of us do it quite enough. I know I personally didn't. Through this book, it's, it's inspired by the Socratic method, if you couldn't tell by the title. And Mark draws on his interviews with award-winning writers, designers, photographers, strategists, entrepreneurs, technologists, musicians, athletes, and so many more to provide inspiration and examples as to where and how pointed self-inquiry can help your mental health, happiness, and performance. And it's definitely done that for me and my life. In today's episode, we we take on the Socratic method and talk through how to process success and failure and how to take control of that internal narrative, that internal monologue, that inner monologue that impacts how we all in our own way show up in the world. I can't wait to get started. And this episode is it's quite different than some of the other ones that we've produced. And you'll get to hear a little bit of that in just a second when I was on with Mark. But I'm excited. Let's dive in with Mark Champagne. Yeah, so thank you for the graciousness and allowing me to to play with this episode in a way that I don't normally do episodes and that I love doing my research. I don't invite anyone on the show just to invite them. Of being able to dive into the human, into the work and seeing the threads that connect the two, but then also having these really relevant culture conversations And what your book has encouraged me to do is to, yes, do that preparation, but even more so in the conversation, be here, be present, and present as in not produced. And I think sometimes you can can conflate the two in that I still do my research. I still did a bunch of background and I have this big old document, but I'm just going to be present and really get to spend some time with an author that I truly respect. And and thank you for allowing me to just tell you that's the direction that we're going in and you being flexible to do that. Most people, when they go on a show, you need to give them a briefing sheet, give them an idea of what's going into, give them some reference articles. But uh, you wrote the ultimate reference article. Oh, man. Well, all of that just lands right in the heart. Thanks for, I mean, thank you for the beautiful words and, and the kind words. And for honestly, lighten up my soul. I mean, it, this is what it's all about. I get just as much out of these interactions than everyone does. So I appreciate you, respect you. I'm I'm grateful that you invited me on. And uh, of course, you know, just super happy that something in the book and in the work that I'm trying to put out into this world has resonated with you. And, you know, that's what makes it all worth it. And you're no stranger to impactful work, to impacting 
dozens upon dozens upon dozens of people. You had an app, Kia, a journaling app that reached 86 million. And I was thinking to myself, how do you come down from that? Because not many people can say that they've had a singular project that they know definitely has impacted millions upon millions, the size of some small countries. How do you come down from that? Oh, man. I mean, just hearing you talk about it in that sense, it makes me think, yeah, that's a good question. How do you, you know, uh, everybody did figure that out. Because I mean, what some people may not know, the story behind it is, you know, very grateful, feel honored that we were able to reach that number of people. But in the same year, we had to make the decision to shut that app down. And that was the come down, uh, right down to the bottom, essentially, because you know, at that time, I think like many, you know, when we, we we hit really challenging moments like that in life, we go into a survival state, right? And it's hard to think clearly when you're asking all the wrong questions, like how possibly could we fail at such a colossal level? To your point, you know, when we reach a number of people that would equate to, you know, small countries, how could we not make that work? And what would my colleagues, ex-colleagues think when I remember sitting across from their desks saying, okay, here's, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this, this industry, this career where I was doing really well in because I have an idea and seeing the spark of inspiration in their eyes of like, I have an idea too, but I'm just, I'm not as courageous to just go and do it. And it's the first time I ever felt that, you know, I knew a lot of these people really closely. So now though, like now, the joke's on me, you know, at least that's what I was thinking at that time. This is why I do what I do until the practices, what I call mental fitness, saved me from going down a really deep depression or dark path where, you know, I would have continued asking those questions and continue looping in, you know, the never ending, you know, narrative of losing hope essentially, right? And like, how do I get out of that? So it was the practice, you know, to answer your question more directly. It was the practices and continues to be the practices and and why, you know, why I get so lit up about having conversations like this, because they're so accessible to anyone, anyone listening. You know, I'm not talking about 14 day silent retreats uh, and, and these are all great things, but I'm talking about the smallest of little, you know, gratitude questions or taking a few deep breaths that are intentional. And even the fact that you and I uh, are intentionally in conversation and put that out there to be present, we're training our minds to be more present in other situations. Like that's the, that's the, the simplicity of this stuff. So yeah, I've said a lot. Sorry, I went on a bit of a rant. Because no, you've written this brilliant <laughs> book, Personal Socrates, in which you go through profiles of people that we would all know, Kobe Bryant, Maya Angelou, Nikki Sharp, and breaking down the questions that led them to a better life, looking at these high achievers and saying, what questions led you down the path of greater? You say that, you know, we're all one question away from a different life. When you mm. look at the journey that led you to asking those questions of yourself and asking those questions of others, you had to hit a bottom or a low. I don't like to say bottom because I think, you know, you never experience bottom until, you know, there's something even lower. Yeah. You hit a low and then you go up from there. And I think you have gone up from there in your life, in your career. You have a wonderful podcast behind the human where you have remarkable conversations ongoing with some of the top leading professionals and creatives in the world. But how does it feel to have that low a part of your story? 
I, I was looking you up yeah. and listening to you on various other podcasts. And I love to give people a different experience when they come on my show. Like, I don't want to ask the typical questions. And I'm like, sure. I have to bring up Keo. Like, I, I have yeah. to bring up the failure in order to talk about your success. And I'm like, I hope he doesn't roll his eyes when I have to, in some way, bring that up in conversation or if it organically comes up. But how does it feel for that to be a part of your story? Well, I feel incredibly grateful. I mean, it and... and... I'm I'm happy you brought it up because it is my story, you know, without Keo, without following the intuition and that intuitive nudge to, because I don't come from a background of entrepreneurship. My dad worked in a mine, my mom worked in a bank, you know, very kind of traditional, quote unquote, safe jobs, essentially, maybe not physically safe in the mine, but we're going with that. So, you know, I wasn't born and bred into that kind of a culture, I guess you can say, or mindset. But the idea to create, you know, a journaling app with a practice, because a, a practice I was using for about a decade at that point was stronger than, you know, the fear of, well, I have no idea what I'm doing to do this. You know, had I not taken that leap and at least tried, I wouldn't even be speaking with you right now. And I wouldn't have a book that is out there that resonating with a certain number of people. And the podcast is, I mean, you know this because the podcast is just something that continues to give back in every conversation. And I'm not talking about, you know, how to monetize it or sponsors in this. I'm talking about just the fact that you and I are connecting, having a conversation that I've learned a, a, enough now, having, you know, interviewed well over 300 people that some of those, not all of them, but many of them come back in some way or fashion to, you know, who knows, like we should collaborate doing this, or have you ever spoken to so-and-so? This just happened a few months back. I was interviewing someone and I didn't even ask. And they just said, you know, who'd be really great on this show? I said, oh, who? He said, Tony Hawk. I said, and I was trying to play it all cool. I'm like, Tony, Hawk, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've, I mean I've, I've heard of Tony Hawk. Well, I interviewed him last week. I mean, it took six months to book that, but I, I had to sit back and just, because I grew up, I was I used to skateboard in high school and whatnot. And I just had to sit back for a second and think or reflect and be present that, wow, like that decision to go and try something new somehow landed me in front of Tony Hawk. You know, and here I am asking him questions about his journey and learning and trying to pull out his mental fitness. I mean, how did I get lucky to do that? You know, and, and like to come, I guess, full circle to your question, like that's because of that journey. So even though it, I say it financially failed, it succeeded and continues to succeed in probably 80 plus, you know, percentage points in all these other areas, because it's it's what led to everything else that I'm doing. And probably the biggest thing, because I didn't know this, it led to me being so clear, and this took time, but now it feels very light, so clear about what my purpose is on this planet. And it's just to make these practices as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. And that happens to, you know, you can do that in many forms. The app was one attempt and we reached a bunch of people, but you know, for whatever reason, not whatever reason, I know the reasons, but for, for many reasons, I should say, you know, that didn't pan out long term. But the book is another way. Speaking is another way. I'm working on a, an unscripted docu-series right now that we're, we just filmed the pilot for. That's another thing. And there's, you know, and more will come, which is so exciting. I don't know for certain. Definitely wouldn't be on this journey uh, had I not taken that leap of faith and had it not 
you know, the whole situation happened with Keel because that, in a way, has given me the confidence in other projects to know, well, I wasn't an app developer. Somehow we reached a bunch of people and kind of hit a chord. Well, so if I could do it there, then why can't I do it with the book? You know, if I can write a bestseller, well, then why can't I produce and, and host a, an unscripted series? I know nothing about the film space. It's been a bunch of fun learning. It's a real interesting industry. And we'll see where it goes and we'll see what comes next. One thing truly leads to another. And it makes me think of this question that you ask on your show. But I find that I ask myself is, you know, who are you today? Who are you yeah. Now, given that experience, given that journey, given that high of interviewing someone that you looked up to growing up, Tony Hawk, a name that doesn't need any introduction, who are you now? Yeah, I'm just a curious human. And we'll see that might continue to evolve. But, you know, I've thought about that question, obviously, given the, the number of times I've asked it and really the through line, everything that comes back to the what feels right is... I do everything possible, you know, on a daily basis to A, to be present, as present as I can. And I'm human like the rest of us. There's there's no shortage of things going on, obviously, in the world and in our own worlds and 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 whatnot to distract us and pull us away and, you know, fire up emotions. But if I can be curious, which keeps me more in, in a present state, then I'm able to do more for people in that from that place and able to help others and maybe you know provide a, an interview or an episode or piece of content or something I say with a team that will will be something that they need right now based on everything that's going on. So for me, it's it's just being true to if I stop asking questions and I find myself on autopilot, that's when I find myself into those survival loops in those states and. There's horrific things happening, right, in the world right now. I've had to, uh, before this podcast, knowing that we were going to record, instead of staying home today to do work in the morning, I went to a coffee shop that I know was just a different environment and, and a very specific one. You know, the, the, the upper part of this coffee shop is an art gallery mm. and it's quiet and you're surrounded. So, you know, just trying to use all the little practices that I've been able to pick up from these incredible humans to keep my own mind in a thriving state and and kind of reorient and, and reset, you know, give the opportunity for us, you know, every day is a new day, like for us to reset our minds when we need that, you know, it's, so that I can come here. Silencing, it's, yeah. it's centering yourself, silencing yourself, and then being intentional about what happens next. And knowing, and knowing what we individually need to do that. You know, that, you know, that example of the coffee shop kind of art gallery thing may not resonate with, with everyone, but 100% of people have something, you know, you can probably list out five to 10 different things that, that, you know, you know, you'll, if you do those things, whether it's an activity, a practice, a ritual, an event of some sort, will put your mind in a better state or you'll feel motivated or inspired or excited because that's, you know, when we're in that state. And I think, you know, I'm not unrealistic. Like it's not, it's not like we're always going to live like that. That's just not how our mind, we're either in a survival state or a thriving state. And we oscillate between the two, but I think we do deserve to be in a happy, positive state more days than not. And there are ways to do that. Right. And, and it's just those small little micro 
thoughts or those questions like, what does, like, what does my mind need today? That was the question I asked, you know, my journaling session when I started the day. And, you know, it needed a, a shift in environment for a couple hours. Do you think happiness is something that you wait for and it comes to you and finds you? Or do you think that happiness is something that you pursue? That's a beautiful question. That is a really, really nice question. Not produced. <laughs> yeah, no, that is really good. I mean, let me think about that. That deserves some thought. What's coming to mind is, is that happiness exists and lives in all of us. And I think it's, it's less about trying to find it and more so being able to sit and be quiet enough to let it surface. It's a bit of a loaded answer because I mean, there's a lot, you know, depending on what's going on, you know, some of us may have more to uh, kind of declutter to allow that to surface. But I was originally going to answer that with for sure, 100%, we can pursue happiness. But I think that is fleeting happiness. You know, we might feel it and we might feel some joy there and excitement. But if it's just kind of like a, a quick hit of some sort, it flees just as fast. Whereas if we can somehow get ourselves to a more of like a conscious happiness on a daily basis and just peel back the stresses and the things that are blocking it from surfacing, like look at how we come to this world. You look at kids. I have a two and a seven-year-old. I mean, they're always happy for the most part. Like we start out curious and happy. And then the world kind of pushes that down. And then we're met with certain circumstances that all of a sudden take some of that happiness away. And we've got to go find it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we go through life and, and continue. And, and ironically, what I've noticed, at least, is we're all kind of trying to get back to that childlike, A, curiosity, but also like that joie de vivre, you know, like that excitement to go and live and and that's how we evolve. Like that's how we that's how we learn how to walk. We take chances and we fall down. We get back up, and we're like living in the moment. It's wild, right, to watch kids like that and to see how far we've kind of strayed from that way of living. And I get why, of course. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not living in a fairy tale land, but I think if we're, again, if we're conscious that it's possible because we all came from there, then we can get back to it. Do you think the work of mental fitness is in a way meant for the privileged or has it been co-opted by the privileged, those of us who have time on our hands to think about our happiness, our value, what we want to do in life versus I think of those, you know, I'm stateside, I know you're in Canada, but those who are on the poverty line who are struggling to make ends meet. So for them, they're not necessarily thinking outside of that box, but even those who are in war zones right now across the world. I don't think it's for the privilege. I think a lot of privileged or people that we may read about it that are profiled and whatnot have this stuff just, uh, I don't want to say automatically because they work for it as well, but they've integrated into their lives. But if I think of you know, what comes comes to mind is is Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meeting. I mean, there's someone that was in a concentration camp. And I mean, the whole, the whole uh, for anyone that hasn't read it, but the whole theme of the book in the memoir is that the ones that didn't lose hope got out of there, you know, and, and for the most part, you know, and were able to survive. And and he was, he was one of those. And, and I mean, you know, those are some of the most horrific kind of situations that, that, I think humans have been faced with. I mean, there's many, unfortunately. I wish there was less examples, but as soon as you lose hope, 
it's game over. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what race. It doesn't matter what circumstance. As soon as the hope is gone, it's very hard to come back and get past whatever obstacle is in front of us. So whatever, you know, that's when it comes to being mentally fit, it's whatever works for you, whatever is going to remain, you know, you're going to be able to pull that hope. Like I think of Maya Angelou, right? There's someone that, I mean, I didn't know all of this. I, I knew of Maya Angelou as this globally renowned poet and someone that her words just had such impact and continue to have such impact around the world for justice and, you know, civil movements and all of this stuff. And she didn't speak for five years because, you know, from being physically assaulted and raped as a young woman to the point where she didn't feel comfortable to speak because she feared her words would have actions that where she saw someone was murdered, basically who raped her was murdered because she said something. And I think, wow, I mean, imagine if Maya Angelou never spoke and it went past those five, those five years, right? Like there's someone that was, was, you know, maybe that was the version of version of her rock bottom. And she wasn't privileged, you know, to have access to all this stuff, but somehow she found a way out of that and has inspired so many, and including myself, just even writing about her in the book, we have to grab onto that piece of hope. And when we have that, then we can work from there and we can layer other stuff on and get it, keep us going and keep the motivation. Because then when we're in that state, you know, and I felt like this too, when I was going in that deep depression, the last thing I'm thinking about is trying to help a bunch of other people. Like I can't even afford rent. I have a two-year-old at this point and it feels like everything's crumbling, you know, around me. So I have to make my mind number one so that I can get to this, you know, more secure footing, at least in my mind. You know, that's what lights me up about this work, because if we can, if we can, for everyone listening, just help people get closer and closer to finding that place where you feel like your mind is fit more days than not, then the ripple effect of that is just incredible work, new ideas, more presence and energy with our loved ones. I mean, it's just exponential. There's a privilege and an abundance that comes with doing the work of mental fitness. Because asking yourself the tough questions can be some of the most uncomfortable moments for you as a person. And I love that your book is based in the Socratic method of asking questions, not for the sake of an answer, but for the sake of peeling back the layers. And Mm -hmm. I'm a trained actor. Um, I still work. I still work as an actor. I also do business development. I do a lot. I have a, a really fun life that I've been gifted and created. But in my acting work in training, you are trained to ask questions. The the main two most basic questions is, who are you? And then in this moment, in this scene that you're in, what do you want? And in Mm -hmm. any acting studio across the world, you know, thank the Russian Stanislavski, but that is what they're going to ask you at the very basic level. And after you say who you are, what you want, it gets even more specific because you never quite gotten to the center. And that's what informs the performance. When we see the Meryl Streep's, the Helen Mirren's, uh, the Angela Bassett's, when we see their phenomenal work on stage, it's because they've asked themselves the hard questions in the secret yeah. place. When you look at people who have gotten Oscars, uh, like Joaquin Phoenix, who do really tough roles that look like they're physically taxing, it's because, and it looks so specific too, in each frame, in each lens, 
it's because of the questions that they ask. So it makes me translate that over to life. And what happens when you get even more specific with the questions that you dare to ask yourself? One that I've been asking, and this has come up on the show and some conversations, but am I being honest with myself? Or am I feeding into a delusion or a fictitious imagination? Or am I being honest with myself? Because if I'm not, I'm stunting my growth. For you, would you say that you've found honesty within yourself? Or what is your relationship Hmm. to honesty in your mental fitness? Another great question. I mean, what comes to mind when you mention that question around, like, am I being honest with myself is the question I often ask or reflect on is like, what am I pretending not to know in this situation? And because I think not all of the time, sometimes we we're not honest with ourselves, but we actually don't realize we're not being honest with ourselves, right? Because we're, we think we may be, but if we really slow down and and ask some of those questions, then all of a sudden you think, well, wait a second, like I've seen, there's a pattern here that's evolving or surfacing and like what's behind that, you know, and really try to figure out, okay, well, like, am I pretending that there's all these different drivers? If I think of my own, because, you know, a lot of the questions I've been asking recently have been around just being really true to the work that I want to put out there, because there are many mediums that, you know, can show up in and as and so forth. And, you know, like there's one-to-one coaching, you know, there's, um, you know, there's the book, there's stuff I do with teams and whatnot, but really like, what are the paths that really light me up so that I can be the best and not look at a financial spreadsheet, which is hard when, you know, times are going up and down and we're, you know, one month, maybe, you know, I, I don't know, like it's not as good as, as forecasted for this, this year. So maybe I just need to go here and run and, and do this particular avenue and, and push out as much as I can. But that's where I'll catch myself. I'm not being honest there. You know, I'm, I'm reacting versus responding. And I'm reacting from a place of, again, where that fear is coming up from like, you know, financial uncertainty or whatever it is. Again, everyone's different, but usually finances are a big one for, for most people. It's just taking the time to do that kind of reflection when it's quiet so we can hear those answers, right? And, and I'm not talking a long time. It can be five to 10 minutes in the morning when, when things are a little bit more still. Then all of a sudden, because then you start hearing those little intuitive nudges. You hear the answer over and over again in different times in the day and so forth. And it's like, okay. I got it. I got the hints. Normally you wouldn't see that stuff because your your mind's just flooded with other things, right? So for me, it's just paying attention to those signs. But in doing so, like I said earlier, with you and I just being, you know, setting the intention to be present here, we're training our minds to see those level, that, that level of detail in other places. So making sure that in times where, you know, things feel challenging, that I'm almost doubling down on the mental and physical fitness. Because I know that's as counterintuitive as it may feel because, it, you know, when we get in places of stress, it's like, oh, I need to just send out more emails or I need to just, you know, crank on this strategy, whatever it is. It's actually that that's the last thing we should do. It should, we should really, we should be eating well. We should be, you know, making sure that our, our physical fitness is still in check and our mental fitness because it's those practices that will allow us to see where to go 
right? And to your point with the question, we'll surface those moments of not being, you know, honest with ourselves and allow us or give us the opportunity to just subtly course correct. What do you want? In what? I would say looking at the success you've had since Keo, launching your book, I believe almost two years ago, continuing to have these impactful conversations with people like Tony Hawk and the CEO of Hinge. I listened to your last episode. When you look to 2024, what do you want? I just, I want projects that come as invitations from people that I really love spending time with. What I've been spending a lot of mental energy on is really editing the work and the energy that I'm putting out there to see whether project A or wherever I'm directing energy, am I forcing that? Am I constantly pushing? Or did that project come to me in some sort of subtle invitation where this is again, where, where the podcast, you know, comes up where I'll give you a perfect example. I mean, this is probably four or five episodes ago. Uh, I inter- interviewed a professional uh, dancer, Hannah Blake, and we had a, we had a beautiful conversation. She, her work is now uh, very much in somatic healing and, and movement and so forth. And we just, we connected. So we, we did this one in person. It was, there was such a connection and we had met a couple times before. I said, I feel like there's, I mean, I know we're going to do a podcast, but I feel like there's something else here. Like we're, we're going to do something. And then she, um, she was here for the summer and then just went back to New York and I think LA. And we had a kind of a final lunch before she left. And this was after the podcast and we we're just catching up. And she said, you know what? I would love to co-lead and run a retreat together with YPO clients of mine. I work one-to-one with them. And I think, you you know, what you do on a mental fitness side would integrate really well with what I'm doing with the movement and so forth. You know, it's projects like that. Like I can't, I didn't think of that idea, but it was a hell yes, because it, you know, I connect, I connect with Hannah and I know what, you know, what she's trying to do in this, in this world. It's those kind of things that I want more of for 2024. And I'm already starting. This is the first year I've ever done this. We're, I mean, we're recording this in, in October, but normally by the end of the year, I'll start kind of a goal setting process and whatnot, which is in my profile. I've actually started that this month and kind of just set the intention of, yeah, I want to give myself like 14 months to achieve the goals for this year and set a direction. And I'm ready to just reset right now and go for it. And that's been fun. And that's what I've been thinking about is really, I am just consciously asking the question. And, and it's not that I'm not, you know, I'm not eliminating all the projects that are being pushed along, but I'm conscious of it. And I want to just slowly let those things fizzle and let the other ones come in and be able to see those other ones and what they are. What's a stumbling block through your work, through your conversations that you've noticed in the work of mental fitness and asking questions. I know I say mental fitness, but in asking questions and and challenging our own egos, what is a trend that you have noticed? I think for the most part, many people try to overcomplicate what mental fitness is or can be. And because of that, just like physical fitness, think okay, yeah, I don't exercise at all. And I've got to, I just have to completely change my whole routine and I need to work out an hour a day at five o'clock in the morning. 
And sure, you'll you'll see results doing that. But from going from nothing to that is a big leap. And what I see a lot around mental fitness, one, I, I think there's a, just a lack of awareness of, of what's possible. Like what is mental fitness? To me, it, the, the umbrella term for that is just, it's anything that we do to train our minds to work for us instead of against us, which now includes mental performance, mental resilience, mental health, like a ton of different practices, right? It's just like if, you know, someone comes to you and says, uh, I love to run and I'm training for a marathon. And uh, you're like, oh, that's great. You know, uh, I'd like to do more of that as well. And, but like, I don't like running. That doesn't rule out all of exercise, right? There's a million different things you can do if you take a, a minute to think about it and, and align with things that you want to do. So it's the same, same thing with mental fitness. A lot of people, you know, think of meditation right away and then they, I could never meditate. Um, well, I'm kind of one of those people. I've never... I know all the science behind meditation. It just doesn't jive well with me. Maybe I haven't found the right practice, but breath work, wow. Like you won't catch me starting a day without at least a couple minutes of guided breath work, right? Journaling is definitely my thing, which is integrated into like really everything that that I do. It's not just a, a morning practice. It's a whenever I need it kind of practice so that my mind can release and and go back in that thriving state. So I think... That's the biggest thing. I think it's why I try to get this 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 message out there and this content out there through conversations like this is that it's possible, you know? And I think it, you know, I'm biased, of course, but everything starts and stops with our minds, including whether we go to the gym or eat healthy or not. It's our minds giving us, making that decision. So if you're gonna start anywhere, you know, again, I know I'm biased, but if you're gonna start anywhere, I would start with the training of your mind, even if it's a couple minutes of day when your coffee is brewing or your first cup of tea is steeping and you just check in with yourself. How do I feel today? One word, right? Yeah. That's been a, a big part of, of my journey because I'm a, I'm a huge clean eater. I eat, I'm an intermittent faster. I eat within a four hour window every day. People think I'm crazy, but hey, I look amazing. Uh, but then I, <laughs> Good I for also you. Have a, a trainer and I go six days a week and I'm notorious with my trainer because I don't miss days. Like, it's just not a thing yeah. that happens. Like, I always go. And when people ask me, like, how can you get so fixated on a thing? It's because I've been intentional about what I want to achieve with this, how this benefits me, how this makes me feel, and what I then feel when I don't do it. And so I think a lot of the ventures that we pursue, if we would only ask some questions beforehand, it may stop us, yeah. it may start us, it may energize us, but it's something yeah. that your statement made me think of. Also, your brain working for you, your mind working for you. This year has been such a, a tough year, 2023, in the realm for me of my, my personal friendships. It felt like I left town for a bit and I came back and had a bit of a reset where many people who I thought would be around forever, it didn't happen that way. And that's life. Some people are going to port and then some people are going to go on their way. Some you're going to have to intentionally part with. But I was getting so stuck in the disappointment of what didn't happen or the disappointment yeah. that they're no longer here and that it didn't last forever. And, whoa, am I a bad, I'm asking myself these very negative questions. Like, am I a bad judge of character? Am I just, uh, am I bad at picking people? And because I'm bad at picking mm. people, maybe I should just stay away from yeah. trying to make intentional friendships. And 
I got this deposit the other day that really just rocked my world in that I shouldn't get so stuck in the disappointment that they didn't last forever, but find joy in what they left behind and what I gained from that time with them. And I only got there by, in a sense, asking more negative questions to myself or questions that I wouldn't necessarily call positive. What do you say around not just asking the positive questions of, you know, what do you want? What do you get out of this? Does this bring you joy? But with those disappointments, you know, am I a failure at building relationships? Am I a failure at picking the right people? How would you reframe those questions or or are those questions to ask ourselves? Such good questions, brother, man, this is, this is fun. First, I promise we'll go back to the questions, but just on relationships, because it's such an important topic because we're all in relationship in some capacity. We're in relationship with ourselves and then other humans and things and so forth. And we have this weird, for the most part, weird obsession with, you know, when we have relationships and I'll use friends or even family members. It's like that relationship always has to be there. Even though potentially, and most often on both sides, people are evolving, right? We're always evolving. Like that, who are you question? The answer is typically evolving. I mean, I feel like I'm landing on that curiosity more and more as a staple. You know, ask me that question 10 years ago would have been a completely different answer. Uh, So we evolve as humans, but our relationships don't always evolve at the same pace or, and often go out of alignment. And then we have the hardest time to just, and you said something really important. We have the hardest time to accept that as a, a starting point. And then also just to what you you mentioned that I think is so important is to just be grateful for the memories and the moments and what that relationship has served for mm. both people, you know? And then you can let it go and that's okay. And I'm not it's saying smile. you have to be, yeah. And I'm not saying you have to be, you know, an asshole about it. But you can let it go, right? And there's many different ways for that to, you know, to to fizzle out. But just taking, again, a few intentional minutes to just honor and respect how two people came into relationship and, and then let that, you know, let that go, right? So that you can, you know, open up and make space for new relationship that will fuel and energize the person that you're trying to become. Right. You can easily become, you can easily after disappointment become bitter. And that's something that I'm very conscious of, of any disappointment. If you don't manage it correctly uh, with you, with Keo, you could have very easily become a cynic and become bitter. And I think there's work to be done to make sure that you don't scar from that, but that you can look at that experience and nod and respect and nod. And even relationships, you can look at those people and be like, you know, Maybe you didn't 100% serve serve me. Uh, Maybe you did, but I respect Mm -hmm. the experiences we had together. Yeah. And just have that conversation and and go through that reflection by first setting the intention that I'm not going to approach this with judgment. You know, I'm not going to self-judge. I'm not going to judge them. Just let it go, right? And it's so powerful. There's a, I can't remember which... I think in Jill Winterstein in the book, I use the example of the the basketball example with Phil Jackson and the Chicago Bulls. And this one comes up all the time. I was thinking about this this morning, actually, where for for those, you know, who may not follow basketball and not know kind of the 
the backstory. I mean, there was an era with the Chicago Bulls where you have Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, and Scottie Pippen, Steve Kerr, and whatnot, like some of the best players in, in the world, and they're winning championship after championship. And there came a point where kind of a strange situation where all of their contracts were up for renewal or people basically like the star lineup was dissolving. And instead of just having a regular kind of final practice, Phil asked all the players to write down on a piece of paper what the Chicago Bulls meant to them. You know, the good, the bad, everything. Just write that down on a piece of paper. And then they came together and he had a little tin cup he got everyone to put the pieces of paper in the tin cup and he lit the, the, the paper on fire. And Steve Kerr, I can't remember the exact quote I used, but he said something to the effect of that was the most powerful experience he's, he's ever been a part of. Because what that did, man, what a, what a beautiful way to, to coach a team and, and let your players just go. Whether you know, He didn't know what people wrote on that those pieces of paper, obviously. But what he did know was that he was giving the opportunity, a moment for people to just clear up the mind and let the good, the bad be a part of, you know, that era of their lives and let that go so that they can go on and do whatever they were about to go do, whatever teams they were going to go play for, or maybe they weren't and so forth. But just taking a few minutes to clear things out and be intentional about that just was so powerful, right? And I think we, we can do that with ourselves and just understand like, who am I today and, and who am I striving to become? And what, you know, what, what needs to go? What do I need to let go? What can I honor, but let that go, mm. right? And this, I promise I'd answer your, your direct question. This comes into those questions, right? Of, I think, cause I asked, you know, I asked some of those tough why kind of questions or how, I guess you could say, or some of the other ones, like, how could this have happened? Why me? Why? The... And I think I'm not saying not to ask those questions. I'm saying be careful when asking those questions or ask those questions again with intention to learn. Because what can happen with those kind of questions is they they loop. So if you ask, you know, you can ask, exactly, you can ask, how did this happen? Like, how, how did we get to the point where we had to delete this app? And I've asked that question. And then you sit down and you're learning. You're like, okay, th these are the, this is where we, where we misstepped. And now I know, you know, in a lot of this, I've, I used even when we, when we launched the book or released the book, I was very intentional with the, the launch plan of just being present and not getting hung up with bestseller lists and numbers and stuff because I've been down that road and we reached a lot of people. It doesn't mean anything if you know, the thing's not working, right? And I think that's the key is that you ask the question from a place of, again, not self-judgment, but to learn and then let it go and then shift into questions that are empowering and forward kind of momentum producing. If that's what I learned, then what do I need to do next? Right. Or what does the path look like with these insights and, and, and ask questions and reflect on questions that move you forward versus pulling you back to a place where, you know, there was a lot of turmoil. I feel our culture uh, would be much cleaner. I feel like our world would be much better. And it can be as we all pick up something from your book, something from these practices 
and implement them in our own lives. I think a lot of us will be able to smile again and to mm. enjoy life genuinely. Uh, that means a lot. Thank you. And I think that's missing, you know, not just living life, but are are you enjoying life and are you enjoying yeah. life? Yeah, I'm definitely enjoying life. I mean, I'm, I feel like what, what these practices and this, and just being so close to this kind of work, what, what it's afforded me is the ability to zoom out. The journey is, is up and down like everyone else, but in the downs to have the ability or to have the toolkit to, or even the, the self-awareness to say, you know what, this morning I need that cafe environment to just reset and not stay in that all day, which would have affected the, this conversation. Maybe you wouldn't have picked up on it, but I know it would have affected the way I was showing up, right? If I stayed in that mental state. And that's that's the part that I'm enjoying most, most because it's endless. There's so much to continue to learn from uh, just different, you know, people and and to soak up their wisdom and try different new things. I'm excited for the uncertainty now mm. where I used to fear that because the uncertainty is where those moments like with Hannah and like co-creating this retreat, that's what uncertainty can breed if you're open to it, right? The gift of uncertainty, I like to call it in the yeah. intro for season two of the show. I said, you know, yes. from these conversations, you get things that you don't expect. And there's a gift in expecting the unexpected and being yeah. able to receive it in any form that it comes in and recognizing it for what it is. Yeah. It's like going on holidays or vacation, right? There's different ways. And I used to be like a notorious planner for all like, and now too, with, with obviously, you know, Instagram and Google maps and, and photos, like you can literally live your vacation before you even get there. Right. Like I know exactly what I'm going to eat, what exactly what those restaurants going to look notorious like. notorious for my briefing sheets. If you ever vacation okay. with me. <laughs> so I'm, I've, I've been like that. And recently, you know, I had things saved. Let's say my wife and I, we went to Nashville for the first time back about a month ago. And we had a whole bunch of spots like, you know, starred on the map. But that's as far as it went. And, and there's, there's something about the, you know, the spontaneity of, of being there and like, okay, well, what do you, you know, like, what do, what do you feel like tonight? And next thing you know, we, you know, we got into this legendary music venue, Bluebird Cafe without tickets. And we we're just waiting in line because someone had mentioned and we got in and like that would have never happened if we were just following the plan. And I think there's a lot of parallels just to life and work and all that in general. It's not to say that, you know, go out there without a rudder and, and have some sort of, of course, have direction. But there's also something to to say about just balancing, you know, just flowing and following, you know, those intuitive nudges and so forth. And and that's part of what I wanted to accomplish in, in this conversation. I actually just came off of a, a holiday from DC in which okay. I notoriously, meticulously planned. I did not plan a single thing. I was there for almost two weeks and I just existed. And mm -hmm. one day I was I'll on say. the National Mall and at the Lincoln Memorial. Like I was doing the whole circuit. I was in the Capitol. Uh, then another day I was on a couch with Pride and Prejudice on the background, sleeping through it all because the score is amazing. I agree with you and and finding that balance between the preparation, but then also being spontaneous and resting in that preparation and allowing yourself to, to flow. Yeah. My closing question for you is, do you have any questions or question of me. And I never I do. let anyone, I never let I, anyone do this, but yeah. 
I do. I mean, I'm very interested, and maybe this is because of my um, most recent work and just in the film space and all of that. I didn't know, you know, what you just shared um, about, you know, actors and, and asking that question of, of who are you and and whatnot. Like I knew obviously that, you know, actors do everything possible to, to get into character and so forth. I'm wondering if you ever have gone into character in real life to expand on an idea, maybe for the show or your work or so forth, to just bring in a different perspective you know, a different perspective that, that, you know, that maybe Brian wouldn't have normally thought about in, in real life, Brian version. Yeah. I, I often lend myself to the given circumstances of others. And a, a, a weird quirk is I, I can talk in other voices. I mean, it's still me talking, like I'm not doing like a caricature or anything, but okay. I talk from another person's point of view. And that has helped me with this show in developing conversations. Uh, but also when you're preparing as an actor, uh, it helps you to, that's where improv comes in as a muscle. It helps you to, against the given circumstances that each different character has, this is how the conversation would go. Uh, and, and really envisioning their their archetypes. And you can do that more so uh, in theater and film because all characters follow the main archetypes as a uh, one of my many my my mentors, she was on the show. Uh, she says there are no new stories. We're just repeating the same yeah. old ones over and over again. So I do do that, and yeah, it, it makes things. I'm never bored. If that's what you're wondering, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think it's a beautiful, you know, just a beautiful way to, I think, mentally expand and just. I've tried it with from a journaling perspective, like what. If I think of, if let's say podcast related, you know, some of the people, one of the individuals I look up to quite a bit is is Rich Roll, and I think of, you know, some of these these hosts, and I'm think, well, what would, what would, how would Rich Roll react in a situation like this, where who knows what it is, you know, probably I'm struggling with something or whatever it is, but how how would he re react, or I should say, respond in this situation, and you know, it's again, it's it's one question. But it's one question from a slightly different perspective that all of a sudden opens up a whole different view of a situation, right? Where the alternative often would have been, I would have, you know, gotten stuck in that narrative and beat myself up or whatever it is versus coming out of it like, okay, that's yeah. a good thought, you know? I'm answering it from someone else's perspective just because I listen and consume his content, but, you know, I'm not calling him. And I think that's important. Like we have access to so many inspiring people and we just need to ask the questions. Thank you for listening to this episode of BC's Corner. If you love this conversation, feel free to like, to follow, to subscribe, and also to share. And if you really liked us, feel free to go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and we'll see you soon. Oh.